Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and the boobs in the chair to my left belong to Katie. I thought we settled on wahoos. Eh, boobs, wahoos, potato, potato. Whatever you call them, they talk into the microphone as much as you do and deserve an introduction. I mean, they usually introduce themselves, so let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the corresponding film scenes. Harry tries to understand what the hell is going on, but gets cut off, just short of order indoctrination. The Daily Prophet's attempt at punny headlines is just pathetic. Voldemort's door-to-door recruiting puts even the best Avon ladies to shame. Molly fights a losing battle, but takes a win wherever she can get one. Ginny shows off her ginger rage by refusing to go quietly. Lupin, always the voice of reason, tries his best to keep the peace. And Sirius is dealt some low blows, but still comes out winking. During episode 125, Voldemortman, our Potter pondering was, what do you think was worse for Sirius? Being locked up in Azkaban or cooped up at Grimmauld Place, a.k.a. the Murder House. G'day, Ellen. G'day, Katie. It's Jackson here with this week's Spot of Pondering. So what was worse for Sirius, being stuck in Azkaban or being stuck in Grimmauld Place? Oof. Those are both really tough, and it's hard to pick one. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say Grimmauld Place. I mean, both are absolutely horrible. Azkaban basically drains a person until they die. I mean, we heard most prisoners end up dying because they just lose the will to live. But in the case of Sirius, at least in Azkaban, he had the knowledge that he was innocent. And that kept him sane. It kept him going. Grimmauld Place, it's a constant reminder of the shitty family and the fucked up life he lived until he escaped. So, you know, both absolutely horrible because Azkaban would have had him reliving some of that, but Grimmauld Place is more of a in-your-face reminder than just what the Dementors making him relive it in his head. So that's what I think. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Did Sirius hate being in Azkaban more than he did Grimwald Place or vice versa? I don't know. According to Sirius, he gives the impression that hanging out with a couple of like-minded peers is worse than being surrounded by Dementors. He really does give off that vibe. That he actually enjoyed chilling in Azkaban better than he did at his own house. I could kind of understand when Snape comes around from feeling like I would rather be behind those walls. But other than that, I really think he's just exaggerating. But thinking with his brain, I'm going to say he probably liked Azkaban better. Should he? Hell no. I don't know what his problem is. But um, it's kind of like... You know, when you come out of depression and then you have to, you know, deal with your problems. Maybe that's probably what it is. Oh, now I'm starting to feel even more sorry for him. Mm-hmm. I love Sirius. Hey guys, here's my pot of pondering for this week. So the question was, what was worse for Sirius? Azkaban or Grimwald Place? Well, I definitely think Azkaban. I mean... With Grimwald Place, I mean, at least he can silence the portrait of his mother almost to make sure he doesn't hear her screams and that. Whereas in Azkaban, all the Dementals around you, he sort of keeps reliving all the bad memories he had of being at Grimwald Place. Uh, and also, like, <sighs> those Dementors, they would just... There's no words to describe, like, how horrible it can be. I mean... Yep, so that's it. Thanks for listening, guys, and see you next week. Thank you so much for your responses. 
Our trivia question last week was, what did Mrs. Weasley find under the sofa in the drawing room? She found a nest of dead puffskins under the sofa in the drawing room. Ew. I keep finding questions to make you say ew. Why can't make <laughs> me say ew all the time? I was trying to think of something sort of obscure. That's obscure. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. Jackson was actually the first one to answer the trivia question, but as I made it super obscure this week, he did not find the right answer, and Mike was able to sweep in with the win. But after this week, could be either. Could be someone new. Who knows? We shall see. But for now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 6, The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 6, The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black, Part 1. Mrs. Weasley follows the twins, Harry, Ron, and Hermione up the stairs to make sure they go to bed, telling them that they have a busy day tomorrow and specifically telling Hermione not to wake Ginny. As they climb to the next floor, Fred murmurs that he is sure Ginny is lying awake waiting for Hermione to tell her everything. From the second landing, Mrs. Weasley points Ron and Harry to their bedroom and again tells them to get off to bed. They all say goodnight to each other and Mrs. Weasley closes the door, leaving them in the dank and gloomy room. Harry gets ready for bed while Ron gives Hedwig and Pigwidgeon some owl treats, since they can't let them hunt every night so it doesn't look too suspicious. He then crosses the room and bolts the door, causing Harry to wonder why. Ron explains that it's to keep Creature out, who came wandering in at 3 a.m. his first night there, and then settles into bed before asking Harry what he reckons. The two begin discussing what they learned, and partway into the conversation, they are joined by Fred and George, who apparate into the room to talk with them about the weapon that Sirius let slip. Harry asks them what they think it might be, and they have several ideas about how it might kill a lot of people at once, or be particularly painful. They wonder who currently has it, and think that if their side does, Dumbledore is probably hiding it, figuring it could be at Hogwarts. They pause their conversation when they hear footsteps coming up the stairs again, and Fred and George quickly disapparate back to their room before Mrs. Weasley can reach the door to check to make sure they aren't talking. As they hear her head up to the next landing to check on Fred and George, Ron says that she doesn't trust them at all. Harry doesn't think he will be able to fall asleep, but the sound of the others making their way upstairs works its way into his dreams until he wakes up curled in a ball to George's voice telling them to get up for breakfast and that they are needed in the drawing room to deal with the doxies and the nest of dead puffskins under the sofa. After they eat breakfast, they head to the high-ceilinged, extremely dusty room. Mrs. Weasley, Hermione, Ginny, Fred, and George all have cloth tied around their noses and mouths, are holding spray bottles of black liquid, and are gathered around moss-green velvet curtains, which are buzzing. Mrs. Weasley tells Harry and Ron to cover their faces and get some doxicide, so they can help get rid of the infestation. When she says she's never seen one so bad before, and wonders what the old elf has been up to, Hermione throws her a reproachful look and defends the elf, pointing out that he is old and probably couldn't manage. Sirius enters the room at these words and cuts her off to tell her that she'd be surprised what creature can manage. He's carrying a blood-stained bag of dead rats and explains that he's just been feeding Buckbeak, who he's keeping in his mother's bedroom. He then examines the desk drawer and agrees with Molly that it's likely a boggart, but they should have Moody look at it. Molly's light, polite tone in her response tells Harry that neither of them forgot their disagreement from the night before, but then they are interrupted by the ringing of the doorbell, which is then followed by shrieking in the hallway. Sirius hurries out of the room, exasperatedly saying he keeps telling them not to ring the doorbell, and Mrs. Weasley asks Harry to close the door. He takes his time trying to listen and hears Kingsley Shacklebolt's voice telling Sirius that Hestia just relieved him and has Moody's cloak so he thought he'd leave a message for Dumbledore. Knowing Mrs. Weasley is watching him, Harry closes the door and returns to the doxy party. Mrs. Weasley is looking through Gilderoy Lockhart's Guide to Household Pests and warns them to be careful since doxy bites are poisonous. She has some antidote but would rather they didn't have to use it. 
positioning herself in front of the curtains. She directs them to spray as soon as she says, and then to toss the immobilized doxies into the bucket. As soon as she says squirt, they begin spraying, and after a few seconds, Harry sees a black, hairy doxy with shiny, beetle-like wings and sharp teeth come flying out of the curtains. He hits it in the face with the doxicide, and it falls out of the air, frozen. As he picks it up to toss it in the bucket, Mrs. Weasley lectures Fred to immediately spray the doxy and put it in the bucket. Fred sprays the doxy struggling between his fingers, and then, winking at Harry, tucks it into his pocket when his mom turns away. George explains that they are experimenting with doxy venom for their skiving snack boxes. Harry asks what those are, and George whispers that they are a range of sweets to make you ill enough to get out of class, but are double-ended and color-coded, so one side will make you sick, and the other will restore your health, though they still need some work. Harry asks about the joke shop, and they tell him that they haven't had a chance to get premises yet, but are running a mail-order service. Thanks to Harry forcing them to take his Triwizard Tournament winnings, they were able to put advertisements in the Daily Prophet the previous week. They tell Harry not to worry, though. Their mum refuses to read it anymore because of the lies it's been telling about him and Dumbledore, so she has no idea. They continue de-doxing the drawing room for the rest of the morning and finally take a break around midday. Mrs. Weasley looks at the dusty glass-fronted cabinets crammed with an odd assortment of objects and says they will tackle those after lunch. The doorbell then rings for a second time, again starting up the screeching, and Mrs. Weasley tells them to stay there and she will bring up sandwiches. They all rush to the window and see Mundungus Fletcher on the doorstep with a stack of cauldrons. They are sure Mrs. Weasley won't be happy about that and cross to the door to listen. Mrs. Black's portrait has stopped yelling, and Fred and George debate getting the extendable ears, but in the end, they don't have to. Mrs. Weasley begins yelling at Mundungus about how they are not running a hideout for stolen goods. Her screaming sets the portrait back off, and George goes to close the door to minimize the noise. Before he can, Creature slips into the room, wearing only a filthy rag tied like a loincloth. He completely ignores Harry and the others as he mutters under his breath, about the blood traitors and scum in the house. Fred loudly says hello to him, and Creature turns to him, bowing and saying that he did not see young Master, tacking nasty little blood traitor that he is to the end of it. George speaks up, pretending he didn't hear the last bit, and Creature insists he said nothing, but then mutters, and there's his twin, unnatural little beasts they are. Harry isn't sure if he should laugh or not, and when Creature mutters about Hermione being a mudblood and mentions that he doesn't know who Harry is, Hermione makes an attempt to introduce Harry to the elf. His eyes widen as he again calls her a mudblood, furious that she would talk to him like a friend. Ron and Ginny tell him not to call her a mudblood, and Hermione tries to defend the elf, saying he doesn't know what he's saying. Fred is positive that he knows exactly what he's saying and eyes the old elf who is now muttering about Harry Potter and wondering how he stopped the Dark Lord. George asks him what he wants and the elf insists he is cleaning. Sirius returns at this point and says that it's a likely story, which causes Creature to fling himself into a ridiculously low bow and flatten his nose on the floor. Sirius has no patience for the elf's mock respect and tells him to stand up again asking what he's doing. Creature continues to insist that he's cleaning and mutters some insults about Sirius under his breath. The two go back and forth for a bit and Sirius confirms that Creature is trying to stop them from throwing things away or destroying them. He is particularly worried about the large tapestry and Sirius assures him that if he can destroy it, he will, then tells him to go away. Unable to disobey a direct order, the house self leaves, though he continues muttering insults, commenting on how Sirius is said to be a murderer too. Sirius irritably says that if he keeps muttering, he will be a murderer, and then slams the door shut behind the elf. Hermione pleads with Sirius to be kinder to him, suggesting that he set the elf free, but Sirius curtly reminds her that he knows too much about the order to be set free and says the shock would kill him. He crosses to the old tapestry that Creature was so concerned about, and everyone else follows to look at it, too. And yeah, none of that was in the movie. Not even a little bit? Not at all. And it's really, I guess, understandable. 
Yeah. Because it is a lot of backstory, but there are things that really set other things up. Mm-hmm. Because you start off with Mrs. Weasley following her kids and Harry and Hermione up the stairs to make sure they actually go to bed. Which, I mean, after the day they've had, that's kind of understandable. Yeah, it's definitely been a day. Mm-hmm. They have another busy day the next day because there's just so much cleaning to do. And Mrs. Weasley specifically tells Hermione not to wake Ginny because she expects she's sleeping now. Yeah, that's cute. And as Fred and George continue climbing up to the next landing, Fred is just like, if Ginny isn't lying awake, (laughs) waiting for Hermione to show up and tell her everything that she just learns, I will eat my last extendable ear. (laughs) I will pull a Crookshanks according to the movie and eat the the ear. Mm-hmm. But then from the landing below, Mrs. Weasley stays with Ron and Harry and is just like, bed now, points to the door, go, and even closes the door behind them after they go in. Mm-hmm. And they say goodnight to each other and everything. Not getting out of here, boys. Nope. Go to bed. She's going to pull the old middle school teacher thing and put tape on the outside of the doors so she <laughs> so can, can see. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> but when they re-enter the room, Hedwig and Pigwidge and both start going nuts. So as Harry's getting ready for bed, Ron's giving them treats. Mm-hmm. Part of it's because they're not allowed out to hunt. That would be super suspicious if the owls kept leaving and coming back to the same place. Kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah. So they just get some owl treats. Those are their meals. It's so weird that there's windows, but no one can see the house. Like, it's just weird. So what would that look like if Hedwig and Pigwidgeon flew out the window? Would it would just? Do you just... have to tell animals about the headquarters? Like, did they have to look at the letter from Dumbledore, too? I mean, but Hedwig got all those letters to Ron and Hermione while they were at the Order. So animals don't seem to be affected so by maybe it. maybe not. Hmm. hmm. Potter pondering. Potter pondering indeed. Yeah. Hmm. Are animals affected by a secret keeper's charm? I like it. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. But anyway... Ron's giving treats to the owls. Harry's getting ready for bed and he watches as Ron's like, oh my God, I almost forgot. And he crosses back to the door and locks it. And Harry's just like, why are you locking the door? And Ron's just like, it's to keep Creature out. (laughs) Believe me, you do not want him wandering in here at 3 a.m. Like he did to me on my first night here. I was going to say, that sounds like the voice of experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He learned the hard way to lock his door. Yeah. And I imagine that would be very unsettling to wake up and have a house elf that, as we're going to learn, is a little bit crazy and mutters under his breath and says super creepy things. Mm Mm-hmm. Cuckoo bananas. Right. You wake up and that's just in your room. Yeah. I'd probably wake up with my heart pounding. Like that would nearly give me a heart attack. I feel like I would wake up and just start like flailing arms. Just like, what the fuck? You know how they say fight or flight? Mm -hmm. And almost everybody forgets freeze. I am a freeze. Usually I am a freeze as well. If I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a freaking creepy house elf in my bedroom... I would honestly just freeze and pretend like I was still asleep and hope that me being awake didn't mean he was going to come bug me. <laughs> I'd probably do the same thing if somebody broke into my house. I would probably just freeze. It would freak me out too much that he would like come up and mess with me or something. Right. And I would have to. I'd know. like to believe that I'd be smart enough to just like reach over and grab my little remote that can set off my alarm immediately to my house, my security alarm. You'd like to think so. But I honestly think I would more likely just like snuggle under the covers and be like, I can't see you. You can't see me. <laughs> You do not exist. (laughs) But obviously, they aren't really going to bed at this point. Mm -hmm. They lock the door, sure. And maybe, just maybe, that's just as much to keep Mrs. Weasley out as it is to keep Preacher out. Because the very first thing they do, once they're settled, is start talking about what they they just learned. And it doesn't take very long at all before Fred and George arrive with another crack as they apparate into the room and are like, have you gotten there yet? <laughs> the weapon that Sirius mentioned? More like right? let slip? Because of course, that's going to be the first thing that gets brought up. And I do wish that we could have seen this discussed in the movie. Yeah. They just cut it off so abruptly and they never did anything else with it. Yeah. I don't even feel like they properly explained what that weapon was in the end. They did not. It just, we got there and there was no connection from that conversation to the item that we will get to. Yeah. It was a non sequitur. Yeah. Entirely. 
which I just feel like is this whole film. Basically, yes. <laughs> like this one is the non sequitur. The next one is the not only did that not happen in the book, like <laughs> it doesn't even what? How are you adding things in? But oh, yeah. getting ahead of myself. Not only does that not happen in the movie, wait, that doesn't happen in the book either. The fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> but anyway, Harry's just like, what do you guys think it might be? Because he did call it a weapon. And I don't even know if in the end I would say it is a weapon. Yeah. We'll talk more about that when we get to what it is. But they start discussing what it could possibly be, thinking that maybe it's like a Vada Kedavra but kills a lot of people at once. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just something that kills somebody in a particularly painful way. But when they think weapon, they're just like murder. murder. Yeah. They're the murder munchers. Clearly... They just want to kill a lot of people. And They're that's where their head is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And Harry's just like, they don't really need a weapon that causes a lot of pain since they have the Cruciatus curse. Yeah. Just saying. But wait, we will find some pretty rough spells that cause a lot of pain yeah. as well coming up. But since they've mentioned that it is a weapon and it seems to be a physical thing, they also start to wonder who has it and if it currently is their side that has it Mm -hmm. and then they speculate that if they do have it then clearly dumbledore is going to be the one who's hiding it so maybe he's got it at hogwarts yeah and they reminisce a little bit about the sorcerer's stone or the philosopher's stone and how dumbledore hid that at hogwarts Mm -hmm. and ron's just like well it's got to be bigger than a sorcerer's stone I mean, does it, though? Right. Fred and George are just like, not necessarily. I mean, have you looked at Ginny? Tiny, but fierce. <laughs> yep. There we go. But anyway, before they can continue talking anymore, they hear footsteps coming back up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And Fred and George have to disapparate back to their room just before Mrs. Weasley, like, presses her ear against the door mm-hmm. and then starts heading up to the next landing to do the same to Fred and George's door. Yep. And Ron's just like, she doesn't trust us at all. Gee, I wonder why. No, Ron, it's not that she doesn't trust you. It's that she knows you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's met you before, guy. Once or twice. Yeah. She knows how full of shit you all are. Uh-huh. And then some. Yes. Harry doesn't think after everything that has happened, everything that he's learned, all of this stuff, that he would be able to fall asleep, but... As he listens to everyone else from the Order making their way to their various bedrooms, Mm -hmm. it kind of works its way into his dreams. So he goes from thinking he's never going to fall asleep to all of a sudden he's dreaming about like people walking up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And then Hagrid teaching a lesson about a weapon and it's a real beauty and... Next thing he knows, George is waking him up being like, you need to go get breakfast. We're on the drawing room to deal with the doxies and we are not going to do this without you. (laughs) Plus, mom said she found a nest of dead puff skins under the sofa. Which was our trivia question. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of shit that they got to do. And Harry and Ron don't get a lie in. They need to get their ass up and come do the work too. Mm -hmm. So they eat breakfast and they head to the drawing room, which is... High ceilinged, extremely dusty, like I'm sure nearly everything else in the house. Oh, yeah. And Mrs. Weasley, Hermione, Ginny, Fred, and George are all already in there with fabric tied around their noses and mouths (laughs) to kind of protect them. Or, you know, normal for us in the pandemic. Right. (laughs) They're holding these spray bottles of black liquid and just gathered around these green velvet curtains that are like buzzing. Yeah. kind of vibrating a bit (laughs) very awkward it's the one time you hope it's a dildo it's never a dildo no not (laughs) definitely not a moss green velvet curtain dildo no damn it but mrs weasley sees them and it's like okay you need to cover your face get yourself some doxy side gesturing to the bottle of black liquid Mm -hmm. and you've got to come help us get rid of this infestation it's the worst that i have ever seen what in the world has this house help been up to? I mean, not cleaning. Clearly not cleaning. No. However, Hermione is just immediately like, ah, he's old and probably can't manage. Oh, Hermione. <laughs> Doing my Hermione from the Goblet of Fire impression. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> but at this point, Sirius enters the room. It is just in time to hear Hermione be like, he probably can't manage, he's old. And Sirius is like, you'd be surprised what creature can manage. (laughs) Like, don't give him that. And he's carrying a bag. It's like a blood-stained sack that's holding some dead rats. 
Oh, that's fun. Tosses it on the sofa and he's just like, I was just feeding Buckbeak. I've been keeping him in my mother's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just one of those little tidbits of information that I love. Like, fuck you, mom. I'm keeping a wild animal in your bedroom. Yeah. This is what I think about your room. Yup. Oh, I wish we would have had this. I know. Especially to see Buckbeak again. I was going to say, we needed closure on Buckbeak, man. Yeah. We needed the Buckbeak closure and yeah, we didn't we get it. Yeah, we never got it. No. So disappointing. They just flew off into the night and were never seen or Ever heard again. from again. Mm-hmm. Well, Sirius was. But Sirius. Buckbeak. Not so much. For all we know, Sirius ate him. Yeah. He was hungry. I don't know. So glad that's not what happened for real. Because right? we know that he is there. Living in crazy gary oldman's mom's room yep and eating rats and eating rats but sirius then examines the desk drawer that molly had previously mentioned the night before that she thought there was a boggart in one of the drawers and he agrees with her he's just like i think you're right this probably is a boggart but just to be safe they should probably have moody look at it before they try tackling it Mm -hmm. and then molly responds in this very light polite tone and harry's just like oh they're still mad at each other (laughs) and they're just like putting on a good face for the children oh yeah they're about to get divorced if they were married right now that's what we're getting at but then before they get too involved in more of this polite fake nice conversation between them someone rings the doorbell (laughs) so someone else crazy gary oldman's mom begins screaming again Boy, way to weirdly take out the tension in the room. Right? And Sirius is just like, I told him not to ring the doorbell. Gosh! (laughs) Shut up, Mom! I'm getting the door, okay? God! I just feel like this would be such an amazing part. Like, this is what our sitcom would focus on. Oh, yeah. These moments. Oh, definitely. This is why I'm so bummed we didn't get to see any of this, because Mm -hmm. it is so sitcom-worthy. Yes. Gosh! Don't ring the doorbell! (laughs) So he hurries out to go answer the door and shut his mom up and leaves the door wide open. So Mrs. Weasley's like, Harry, go close the door. And Harry's just like, if I do this slow, maybe I'll overhear something to meddle in. Also, I don't have to mess with the doxies for a few extra seconds. And he only manages to take enough time to hear who's at the door and get the little tidbit of information that it's Kingsley Shacklebolt who was just relieved from his guard duty by Hestia, who now has Moody's cloak. So he thought he'd stop by and leave a message for Dumbledore. Sure. And that's all he really got to hear because he can just feel Mrs. Weasley's eyes (laughs) on his back. And he's just like, I have to close the door. Right. So he does that, returns to the doxy party. (laughs) And Mrs. Weasley's over there reading Gilderoy Lockhart's Guide to Household Pests. which is just a fun little throwback i love the fact that she still relies on him yeah she's still a fan it's so funny to me that's not exactly the wrong way to go because gilderoy did steal the information for his books from much more knowledgeable people yeah that's true it could have been perfectly sound advice that he just wasn't capable of carrying out himself for reals exactly he was just completely inept but he knew how to steal information and make them not know he steals information. Exactly. <laughs> and yes, I said steals. <laughs> oh, I heard it. I was letting it go. It was deliberate. I'm sure it was. It just feels like it fits with Lockhart's character. <laughs> he stealed it. Especially now. <laughs> right? But I love the fact that we get that little reference to him since we are going to see him a little bit later in the book. Yeah. And I just think that's nice. Just a little reminder before we get there. Mm-hmm. But Molly's reading through it. She's like, okay, you need to be very careful. Doxy bites are poisonous. Mm -hmm. I have antidote here with me just in case, but I'd rather not use it. Makes sense. Which is fair. Yeah. So she gets herself situated and she's just like, all right, as soon as I say, you spray. Then you grab the immobilized doxies and toss them into this bucket right here. All of those things seem straightforward and make sense. They got a game plan. So... They open up the curtains. These little doxy things start flying out at them. Mm -hmm. It is black. It's hairy. It's got shiny beetle-like wings and sharp teeth. Ew. And Harry just hits it right in the face with his doxicide. And it just like freezes and falls out of the air. Oh, Lord. 
And I would have loved to see stuff like that, too. Because, like, when they immobilized the pixies mm-hmm. in Chamber of Secrets, they just sort of kept floating. Yeah. Because it was magic. Yeah. But I like the idea of they freeze and then just clunk to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> would have been entertaining. Yeah. And plus, the description is good, but it doesn't give you that full picture. Right. You can imagine it, but it's not the same. Yeah. It's kind of like with the Blast Ended Scroots last book. We never got to see the Blast Ended Scroots. They were described, but... So bilked. But that's such a hard creature to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm you disappointed know? in that still. Yeah. Why can't you bring that up? It's my job, Ellen. <sighs> <laughs> but anyway, Harry picks up the frozen doxy and goes to toss it in the bucket. And here's Mrs. Weezy like, what are you doing, Fred? You need to spray that immediately and put it in the bucket. And he looks <laughs> over and Fred's just holding a doxy between his fingers and is struggling to get at him. And he finally just goes... Boop, right in its face <laughs> and it like faints and then he goes to put it in the bucket but when mrs weasley isn't looking he actually tucks it into his pocket oh lord and winks at harry and george explains that they're experimenting with doxy venom for their skiving snack boxes and this is the intro to skiving snack boxes which we yes. do see in the movie we do but it's so not the same we're not getting this behind-the-scenes look at no. what they're doing either. And we did get a lot more of the behind-the-scenes stuff because Harry was behind the scenes. He was their yeah. benefactor. Yep. Which, not if you were watching the movie. Of course not. Hmm. Why would he be? <sighs> so Harry's just like, skiving snack boxes? What are those? Mm-hmm. Thank you for this preemptive description. Because <laughs> George is just like, they're a range of sweets to make you ill enough to get out of class, mm-hmm. but are double-ended and color-coded. So you eat one end, puke your guts out, eat the eat other, the other end, <laughs> and you're fine. But you puke and get out of class, and then you eat the other side and restore your health. And hey, you're Go good. But he- yeah, do whatever you want. He also says that they still need some work because at this point, their testers are having trouble stopping puking long enough to actually eat the other end <laughs> to stop themselves from puking. I can see how that would be an issue. And Harry's just like, testers. Mm-hmm. And Fred and George is like, yeah, us. Yeah, we've been puking our guts out. And we've, he's like, we've tested out our nosebleed nuggets. And mom thought we'd been dueling. And <laughs> so they are still inventing. And Harry's yeah. just like, that's awesome. How's it going with that? And they tell him that they haven't gotten their premises yet. So right now they're running a mail order service, which they are managing by putting an ad in the Daily Prophet. He's like, but don't worry. Mom refuses to read the Daily Prophet ever since they started insulting you and Dumbledore. So she doesn't buy it anymore and has no idea. Like if they're literally calling it Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes, don't you think that would get back to her in some way, shape, or form? You would think. But at the same time... That's the genius of Fred and George, man. Right? So subtle. You know? Hiding in plain sight. Basically, yes. But they say thanks to you. So this is all thanks to Harry because in the books, he gave them money. Mm -hmm. Like we said, he's the benefactor. Yep. But they keep up with this de-doxying in the drawing room. Takes them all morning. When they finally get it done, the curtains are just dripping with doxicide. Ew. Which I feel like, okay, now you need to clean them, but I don't know what this process is. I mean, maybe that's just as simple as like Scroogeify. I guess. It is not an easy job to fix up this room or this house. It's definitely the downside of a large house. A large unattended house. Yes. (laughs) So many issues. So much to clean. They finally get to take a break around midday. Mm Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Weasley takes a look at these dusty glass-fronted cabinets that are just crammed with a very strange assortment of objects. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we're going to tackle those after lunch. Right. Probably a number of cursed objects. Oh, yeah. Definitely some illegal shit in there. An object that we are going to talk about that I am so unbelievably upset they did not include. Mm-hmm. Even just in passing, it would have been so freaking amazing. Right. And it would have made a lot more sense later on. But anyway, they're already taking a break and they're further interrupted by the doorbell reading a second time. And even though Sirius isn't currently in the room at the moment, he's just like, God, I told him not to ring the doorbell. And I just imagine that every time the doorbell rings. Yep. Gosh. Ding dong. Ah, damn it. 
Exactly. <laughs> so the screeching starts back up. Mrs. Wheezy's like, you stay here. I'm going to bring up sandwiches. And so the moment she disappears, they all rush to the window so they can see who showed up. Sure. Because metal. Yeah. And they can see Mundungus Fletcher on the doorstep toting a stack of cauldrons. Hmm. Which, if you remember correctly, is what he was doing the night that he shirked his hairy guard duty. What was it? They fell off the back of a broom? They fell off the back of a broom. Back of a broom. That's right. Good old dung rags. Good old dung rags. <laughs> shows up to the order with his stolen cauldron. Sure. And they're like, oh, Mrs. Weasley is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> or in the case of Ron, Fred, George, and Jenny, oh, mom's not going to be happy about this. Mm-hmm. And they like hustle over to the door now to try and listen in because it's really hard to hear over the yelling of the portrait. Yeah, sure. But they get that to stop and they're like, listen, listen, what? what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Fred and George are like, should we go get the extendable ears? Like, what's going to happen? And as it turns out, they don't have to get the extendable ears because they can hear just fine. Mrs. Weasley is probably not over getting voted against. She got <laughs> vetoed hard the night before. Yeah. And she's just looking to let it out a little bit. And let's face it, Mundungus is just such a good little punching bag. Dungrags was the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. And she starts screaming about how they're not running a hideout for stolen goods. I mean, but aren't you? Yeah. Considering what? what's already there. I mean, it doesn't help the order at all, so I can see why she's mad, but... Oh, yeah. I can see it. But at the same time, where else is he going to take it? But at this point, they can't even listen to Mrs. Weasley screaming anymore because her screaming wakes the portrait back up. Of course. So now there's even more screaming. And George is just like, yeah, I'm just going to close this door now. Like, <laughs> we're going to minimize the din. It's a bit much. But as he makes to close the door, Creature slips into the room. And this is the first time that they actually see him in the book. Mm -hmm. He's wearing a filthy rag tied like a loincloth. And that is it. So mm -hmm. that is worse than Dobby and his pillowcase. Yeah. Dobby at least had some chestal coverage. Everything was covered. Yeah. Like he was decent compared to mm -hmm. <laughs> this loincloth. A filthy rag of a loincloth. And he pretends like he can't see Harry or anybody else. And just like wanders in muttering under his breath about the blood traitors and scum in the house. <laughs> Fred's just like, hi, <laughs> we're here. We can hear you type deal. Mm-hmm. Excuse us. Hello. And Creature turns to him and does a bow and is just like, oh, I did not see young master, nasty little blood traitor that he is. <laughs> <laughs> but he like says the first half to him and then mutters the second yeah. half under his breath and apparently does a lot of that, mm -hmm. which I would have loved to see more of. Like we got a little bit of a muttery thing in the movie scene. A little bit. But it wasn't like a direct speak to Harry. Yeah. And then continue what he was saying under his breath as if he wasn't speaking to Harry. Yeah. And that's just so, he does it so funny. Mm-hmm. He's like nasty little blood traitor that he is. And George just like, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last bit. And Creature's just like, I didn't say nothing. I didn't say <laughs> anything. And there's its twin unnatural little beasts they are. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, he may have just gotten that from Molly. <laughs> Is entirely possible. You know. But this puts Harry in a position where he doesn't know if he should laugh at this or not. And I'm going to go with laugh at this. Yeah. Because what else can you do, really? Right. Like, there's really nothing else to do. But then Creature also starts muttering about Hermione being a mudblood, and that's probably nowhere near as funny or entertaining. No, not at all. And he also mutters about how there's a new boy and he doesn't know who that is. So Hermione just, you know, being super kind because she's Hermione and wants to set all the house elves free, mm -hmm. tries to introduce Harry to the elf. She's like, Creature, this is Harry Potter. Yeah. And Creature's just like, the mudblood is speaking to me as if she's my friend. <laughs> and Ron and Ginny are like, don't call her a mudblood. And Hermione's just like, he doesn't know what he's saying. And Fred's like, he knows exactly what he's saying. He knows what he's fucking saying. And he means to say it, and he's going to say it again. Right. But at this point, Creature is just now completely focused on Harry Potter, and he's just like, I wonder if that is Harry Potter. I can see the scar. They say that he conquered the Dark Lord. I wonder how he did it. And this is all just muttered under his breath. Yeah. 
And George is just like, don't we all wish to know that? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing? And the house elf is just like cleaning. But you're not, though. No, you're not. And Sirius has a knack for walking in, like, right as something is commented that he has a good, like, comeback to. Mm -hmm. Because he walks in right as Creature's, like, Creature is cleaning. And Sirius is like, that's a likely story. Mm -hmm. Which, at the presence of his master that he doesn't like, Creature bows so low he actually flattens his nose on the ground. That's a pretty low bow. That's about as low as you can get without just like fully like dropping just, down to your knees and flattening. <laughs> just laying just bends down. bends over, nose to the ground. And Sirius has no time for this shit. Like, don't give me that mock respect. You don't mean any of this shit. Get the fuck up and tell me what you are doing. Mm-hmm. So Creature's still like, I'm cleaning. Creature is cleaning. And then starts muttering insults about Sirius. Mm-hmm. This kind of does happen in the movie. A little bit. A little bit later on. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the things where they kind of include it, but they did it in the wrong place. And it didn't really do anything. Yeah. It was like they just needed to include it because they realized the creature was important later on. Yeah. And he wasn't doing the muttering under his breath either. He was just straight up. Yeah. He was just straight up being a dick. And then Sirius comes out and he, you know get sarcastic with Sirius pretty much yeah so yeah we'll get to that but I do I just love the way like I've said this multiple times now I love the way creature will directly answer a question and then as an added undertone continue on his thought of what he probably shouldn't be saying yeah it's just so comical to me well it's like he's having a conversation with himself yeah you know like he stops to answer the question and then goes that motherfucker doesn't know what the hell you know And it could also just be a habit that he's developed from holding conversations and taking orders from the crazy Gary Oldman's mom portrait. Yeah, true. Like, he legit talks to her, so... And the movie did show us that much-ish. Somewhat, yes. Not that we really knew that's what he was talking to. Exactly. Like, we heard him whispering with something else. And again, if you have subtitles on, sure, you know what they said. Yeah. But other than that, it was just... But anyway, Creature and Sirius just kind of go back and forth, just hurling insults at each other because that is their relationship. Mm-hmm. As they do. And during this little insult battle, Sirius realizes that Creature is trying to stop them from destroying the large tapestry that's hanging in the drawing room. <laughs> and... Sirius is just like, oh, believe me, if I can destroy it, I will. Now get out of here. Mm-hmm. He's got some bad blood, let's say. Oh, yeah. Things are not pleasant between those two. No. And on one hand, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Hermione's kind of right. Yeah. She definitely has a point. She has points. Yeah. But that's a hard road to take. Yeah. When you have a house elf that's just straight out being a dick to you yeah so i understand sirius's point but obviously we're jumping forward with this but i wonder knowing how he started responding to harry when harry started being kind to him if that would have been possible between sirius and creature i mean i don't know because sirius grew up with creature right that's why i say i wonder yeah would there be any coming back to what i'm sure was the same tumultuous relationship Mm -hmm. that they had when he was a child but as it is with house elf magic they can't disobey direct orders and sirius directly told him to go away Mm -hmm. so the house elf leaves But he's muttering under his breath about all of the ways that Sirius has hurt his mother. And they say that he's a murderer, too. Yeah. And Sirius is like, keep talking and I'm going to be a murderer. (laughs) And Hermione is just like, Sirius, please just be nicer to him. He's old. Maybe if you set him free. Yeah. Which gets her a very curt response where he's just like, number one, if I set him free, he'd die of shock. (laughs) like you try telling him yeah to leave this house and see how well that goes yeah number two he knows way too much about the order well i mean hell just the fact that he knows sirius is alive right he could go and tell anybody that you know he knows way too much about the order he knows way too many secrets that if he is no longer bound to sirius 
he's free to tell that stuff. Yeah. So they can't. They just can't. Yeah. And I'm sure that Hermione on some level understands that, but that doesn't mean she likes it. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, when I first read the book before the logic came out Uh of it, I was kind of like, just set him free, dude. Let him roam off into the horizon somewhere. Who the fuck cares? And then he was like, no, he knows way too much. And I was like, oh, yeah, that does make Oh, yeah, he sense. does, doesn't he? Yeah. Never mind. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the smart thing to do. Plus, in a house like that, with all those tensions running high, it's probably nice to have a, I hate to say it, but a punching bag there. You know? Not a punching bag, but... No, you're right, though. A creature to take out that aggression on. Yeah. You know? Which... Is shitty. He should not have done that. No, not at all. But he can't just flat out tell Molly to go fuck herself. So we're going to tell Creature to go fuck himself. Yeah, it's pretty much what basically happened there. He really did use Creature as a punching bag. And Mm -hmm. it killed Hermione to watch that happen. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sad, but Creature's a dick too. So but Hermione also is probably I don't know if shy is the right word, but She's not going to confront Sirius any more than what she did. She's a little timid around him. Yeah. Like she might say, please be kinder to him, but she's not going to argue with him when he's like, we can't set him free. He knows too much. She's going to just let it go. And Sirius also isn't going to engage in something like that. Because at this point, he just crosses over to the tapestry the creature was trying to save. Mm -hmm. And everyone else walks with him to go look at it, too. And none of it was in the movie. Not even alluded to. So many really important things. Yeah. That were just completely left out. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Just like montage that leaves so much out and it makes me so sad. I know. But eventually we're going to get to the end of this book and movie and I will have nothing but nice things to say because I do love the way they ended this book. <laughs> we just got to get there. And then we'll start Half-Blood Prince. Uh... <laughs> but this is really where it starts. This is the first chapter where there was nothing. Yeah. I can't even tell you. All of you keepers out there listening, I can't even tell you how much of a nightmare it was <laughs> to try and organize this movie by book chapter. Yeah. Like I said, I give all the credit to Ellen because I thought I was going to be like really productive one day and I started to watch the movie and I thought I was going to try and break it up and I got like five minutes in and I went, nope. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in a previous episode when we first started it. You did. Six hours. Yeah. It took me six hours to get this sorted. Granted, I had to keep pausing the film and screaming about things being left (laughs) out and realizing, oh, How did I imagine this being in this movie? I don't understand. What do you mean they weren't there at the time? What? What? Yeah. But as there was no movie scenes, there are no actors to talk about. So we'll just move right on. Yep. Let's just go into our Potter pondering, which we decided we wanted to know what you think about the Fidelius charm and if it would work on animals. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Dumbledore doing The Secret Keeper bit on Grimmauld Place meant that he had to inform Hedwig where to go to deliver letters or does it just not work on animals? Yeah. Is it just animals are looking for the recipient and they can find them wherever they are? Because that seems like a major loophole. To be fair, that's kind of what happened when Sirius was moving around so much and he wasn't at Grimmauld Place and an owl always knew where to find Sirius. True. But nonetheless, I mean... You would think with a Fidelius charm on it, it would be extra not able to be found. You'd think. Yeah. Because it just seems like a loophole. Like, what if Voldemort writes Harry Potter a letter and then follows <laughs> and the And then follows owl? the bird, yeah. I know he's here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like I was saying, too, is if they send him out the window, do you just see a random bird coming out of a wall? Out of or nowhere? Something? Does it just, yeah. like, all of a sudden materialize? Yeah. All of a sudden, bam, bird. Yeah. This one got very wordy. We're going to have to succinct this up for TikTok. But let us know what you think about animals, specifically owls and the Fidelius charm. Mm -hmm. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. As usual, you can email that audio clip in as well, and you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. And this will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Dave Garza. He writes, My name is Dave Garza. 
I am 51 years old, a Hufflepuff with a pear wood wand with a unicorn hair core, 10 and 3 quarters inches and slightly yielding flexibility. My Patronus is a dapple gray mare. In the early 2000s, I had a head injury that limited a lot of what I could do physically. I ended up watching a lot of TV. In about 2005, I started watching the first few Harry Potter movies on cable TV, and by 2006, I saw the first four films over and over as they were replayed. As my head injury kept me from going to the movie theater, I found myself anxiously awaiting when Order of the Phoenix would make it to TV in probably another year or so. I decided I couldn't wait for the movies to get to TV to find out what happened, so I decided to read the books. I started from book one and was amazed and captivated by how much more the books contained than the movies did, and immediately knew I liked book Dumbledore way better than movie Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I was hooked. I finished each book in just a few days. Not knowing much about the book series itself, I simply read each next book when I finished the previous one and didn't really pay attention to how many were left. You can imagine my shock and horror in finishing book six and finding out that the seventh book had not even been released yet. Merlin's beard! Torture, I tell you! Torture! A year later, Deathly Hallows finally came out, and I think I only put it down to sleep. I don't believe I ate anything for the few days it took me to finish it. The Order of the Phoenix made it to TV later that year, and I patiently awaited all the films to come out the following years going back to reread the books between each film's release. Having not read the books again in recent years, I find I am way more familiar with the movies than the books, and I love hearing you ladies point out and discuss the differences between them. Aww. We love doing that, too. Yeah. <laughs> kind of our thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Dave. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media or, you know, just post it on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. Mm -hmm. This week's trivia question is, what did Mundungus rescue Ron from that redeemed himself slightly in Mrs. Weasley's eyes? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag not all bad will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash just keep rolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of chapter six, the noble and most ancient house of black and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.